You're listening to a message from Victory Dumaguete. We just concluded our series last week called Tayo. But for this week, we'll be looking at things naman that led to the things that happened on our previous series sa Tayo. On our previous series, we were looking in the book of Haggai. We looked at how God rebuked the people to rebuild the temple, how He encouraged them, how He addressed certain things in them, and how He could continue to push them to move forward as they were rebuilding the temple. Well, now, we'll look at what led to the people being able to return and make the temple in the first place. So for that, can you read your Bibles to Ezra chapter 1? So this will be our main passage. Ezra chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. And if, if I have a goal, basically, for this a serious break now, though, as we look into this book of Ezra, as we look into the first chapter, is basically for us to grow in our understanding and appreciation of God's faithfulness and sovereignty. And as we look at this story, we can't help but say, Lord, grabe ka. Grabe ka, ka faithful and grabe ka sovereign, Lord God. Now, indeed, wherever we go through our lives, you are still greater. And that is my hope and my goal for today's preaching. So again, Ezra chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. It says there, In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you of all his people, may God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. And let each survivor in whatever place he sojourns be assisted by the men of his place, with silver and gold, with goods and with beasts, besides freewill offerings for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. Then rose up the heads of the fathers of houses of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites, everyone whose spirit God had stirred to go up to rebuild the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem. And all who were about them aided them with vessels of silver, with gold, with goods and with beasts and with costly wares, besides all that was freely offered. Cyrus, the king, also brought out the vessels of the house of the Lord that Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem and placed in the house of his gods. Cyrus, king of Persia, brought these out to the charge of Mithridath, the treasurer, who counted them out to Sheshbazar, the prince of Judah. And this was the number of them, 30 basins of gold, 1,000 basins of silver, 29 censers, 30 bowls of gold, 410 bowls of silver, and 1,000 other vessels. All the vessels of gold and silver were 5,400. All these did Sheshbazar bring up when the exiles were brought up from Babylonia to Jerusalem. So as I mentioned earlier, we're in the book of Ezra. And this is a sort of prequel, if you will. What happened to the Israelites when they were rebuilding the temple? So we're going to look at how did the Israelites travel or go, basically, to Jerusalem and start rebuilding their temple and their wall. So even though Ezra covers the rebuilding of the temple, we will simply focus on chapter 1 today. basically. So we will look into that. So in Ezra chapter 1, verse 1, it says here, In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. Now in that one phrase alone, there's a lot of things that we can unpack right there. There's a lot of questions that we need to answer. Namely first, what is truly happening? What is God trying to accomplish as we look at this first verse? And what is His goal? We see here that God is stirring the spirit of someone, and that is the king of Persia. 
And when you say stir, okay, bilik ka ng stir, stir nga, magbatil mo sa kapinin yun, it means to cause someone to feel a strong emotion and a desire to do something. So when the passage says now that God was stirring the spirit of this king, the king was not like, mm, maybe I want to do something that this God is trying to tell me to do. Or maybe one day I'll try to do that. No, this guy who was stirred had a strong emotion and a strong desire to accomplish whatever God was stirring in his spirit. My urgency, my sense of importance, my weight, my willingness and anticipation to accomplish it. Una ang gifting ni King of Persia, and that is important because this has to deal, again, with the Jews, with the exiles currently on this land. Now, why is God willing to go through all the trouble ba? Nga naman siya willing na is turning hearts sa king. Nga naman siya, you know, nga siya buhaton eh. Well, we see here in the same verse that the goal was for the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah to be fulfilled. God was turning the heart of his king because his goal was the prophecy that Jeremiah had mentioned or spoken to many years before might be fulfilled or would come true. Now, what did Jeremiah speak ba? Or kinsa si Jeremiah nga importante man ang giingon niya? Jeremiah was a prophet and he was the last prophet in, in the southern kingdom of Judah. This was the kingdom of the Israelites. Their last kingdom. Their kingdom before was a unified kingdom of Israel. Then it was split into, okay, you have the north and the south. The north was conquered much earlier. And Jeremiah at the time was a prophet doing ministry, prophesying for the southern kingdom of Judah. Telling them to repent, to, to stop their wicked and sinful ways, their idolatrous ways, and to turn to God. But the people would not listen to Jeremiah. And one of the things Jeremiah told them concerned with the exile. He says in Jeremiah 25 verse 11 and 12, the whole land shall become a ruin and a waste. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. So before the exile happened, and again, by this time, they were already in exile. Jeremiah already prophesied that they would experience exile if they do not repent. If they don't turn from their ways, if they don't stop, they will experience judgment in the form of this exile. And it will last not one year, five years, ten years. It will last for about 70 years. ni Jeremiah. Now, God could have just stopped right there. Okay, Jeremiah, But God, being faithful to His covenant, to His people, the Israelites, also gave another word okay, through Jeremiah. And that is in Jeremiah 29, verse 10 to 11. And it says there, For thus says the Lord, When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill you my promise, and bring you back to this place. Say, you need God? After 70 years are done, you will find a way to escape. Our leader will rise from among your ranks and he will lead you out. No, God says now I will visit you. I will fulfill to you my promise. And this is very important. He says, I will bring you back. God back to this place, to their hometown or homeland rather, Jerusalem, Judah. God was going to bring them back. This tells us why important. Ang dito nga says that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. God wanted to fulfill this because He had a promise to His people, which is that He would bring them back after the 70 years of exile was done. He even says in verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. For those of us who are fond of quoting Jeremiah 29 11, this is the context right here. This was a verse written for the exiles to give them hope so that they may look towards the future. Now, yes, they're currently in exile or they will experience exile, but that was at the end of the story of the Israelites, that God would one day visit them 
and rescue them basically and bring them back to their homeland. So we see here in this first verse palang that God is a faithful promise keeper. Makita niyo ang timeline. The 70 years winded up and now God is exacting or making sure that He would fulfill His promise. It wasn't like ni Gobiansha, He was not late or nagdelaysha. No, it was exactly as He foretold or prophesied through the prophets that indeed, nashay promised that He was going to bring them back to their homeland. And it's very interesting ang way nga i-accomplish ni God because again, the person that is stirring, that the person He will use to accomplish this is... Unlike the previous mighty men in the Bible, if you look at the Bible, God had used several mighty men in the past. Right? You have David, Abraham, see Samson, ba, Judges, all the other prophets. God had used these several mighty men to accomplish His purpose. But here in this story, interestingly, God is using a pagan king by the name of Cyrus, who is the current king of Persia. Cyrus does not truly know who God is. He doesn't worship God. He's simply a pagan king of the most powerful nation at this time. Persia at this time was the superpower sa panahon nila. Kung sa tuwa pa, that's like what? The US, the European countries, whatever you can think of a mighty nation, okay? Munas lang ang Persia. Now, before we continue, you might think, Tom, wait a minute. Diba ang yun ni Jeremiah, the people would experience exile or judgment through the coming of the Babylonians. Diba they're gonna be taken by the Babylonians, captive and exiled in Babylonia. How come we're talking about the king of Persia right here? So may, gi, so may labot ni Cyrus ani. Well, what happened here is that Cyrus and the Persians conquered Babylon. Yeah. So if you remember, you have the Israelites, they rebelled against God, sinned against God. They were conquered by the Babylonians as a result of their sinfulness, as judgment. The Babylonians, in turn, later on, were conquered by the Persians. Naman. So this was about one or two years after that. Kaya the verses no the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia. So, so if you were a Jew, captors, Babylonians. Now it's the Persians, naman. So if you're unaware of these prophecies that Jeremiah may have spoken, you might feel bad. You might feel really terrible. Feel defeated. We captured me the Babylons. We karon Persians naman. ba? Where does this exile end? Cyrus and Persia were a mighty nation. Cyrus' nickname, in fact, was Cyrus the Great. He was a mighty king. And yet, going back to this verse. Who did God use for His purpose? Again, Cyrus and Persia, mighty nation, mighty king, but before a mighty God, they were nothing. Before a mighty God, they match up Cyrus and Persia. Proverbs 21 says, The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever He will. If the king's heart were like a stream, the Lord redirect na. In other words, no matter how mighty a king that is, whether it's an Israelite or a pagan king, it's nothing before God. That's why he's able to stir the heart of this king. So in other words, when we look at these verses as well, or this story, we see that God is sovereign over all nations. That He will use these nations for His purpose, for His glory. Whether it's Babylonia or Judah, or here in this case, it's Persia, God is sovereign over all nations, not just the Israelite kingdom. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to Him, belong to God. No matter how mighty the nations are, God is mightier. And in fact, God using Cyrus, here's the interesting thing, church, is in line with His faithfulness still. You know, ganyan nga, faithful si God, kasi now He's fulfilling His promise. Yan ang iuli ang mga people niya, back to your homeland. Now that could have happened in so many ways. You know, God could have done so many ways. But 
way before even Cyrus was born, God already had a word for His people on how He would fulfill it. And now, He is in line with Him being faithful to accomplish His promise. Isaiah 44, verse 28 says, Who says of Cyrus, He is my shepherd, and He shall fulfill all my purpose, saying of Jerusalem, She shall be built, and of the temple, your foundations shall be laid. Guess what? This passage, it was written about 150 to 200 years before Cyrus was king. Way before Cyrus was king, nananing word of the Lord through Isaiah that says that, yes, the exile would happen, God would rescue his people still and bring them back, and he would do it through Cyrus. So once again, promise keepers of God. Faithful to God's a promise niya. Now, even to this detail, he's willing to accomplish or do it. So that's why he gamit niya si Cyrus. All right? Now, Cyrus, he even made a proclamation for all his kingdom. Now, before I get to the content of what he spoke, this is also a very important, by the way, church, because this means na ang ingon niya, because what the king says is law. Basically, you can just go against the king. So for the king to pronounce or proclaim this and put it in writing protects the people. It gives them you know, something to refer to nga, if Jew ka, muli ka, uy, ano ka muli man, ningon ang king. Okay, muli ang balaod. Muli ang giingon sa king. This is what he proclaimed. They didn't have Twitter back then, okay? It's not like now, if you want to check the proclamation, you're going to update sa itong government, you can just go to social media or Google and say, uy, muli ang giingon. This is what we can follow. Them, they had to put it in writing. And this is good for the Jewish people. Now, what was the content of that proclamation? Verse 2 says, Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. So he's acknowledging God on what God has given him. How God has you know, blessed him and his empire, basically. And he has charged me, take note, it says here, to build him a house at Jerusalem. Interesting choice of words, ni Cyrus. He didn't just say outright that I was charged to let his people go to Jerusalem and Judah. But rather, it was to build him a house meaning to rebuild the temple. And verse 3, whoever is among you of all his people, may his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem. So, ang yun ni Cyrus first is, I'm charged to rebuild this temple and kung kinsa ang mo ato, whoever worships this God as well, may he go to Jerusalem, go to Judah and rebuild and the temple and worship God. Now, that first line right there is important because knowing that Cyrus' main reason for the proclamation was the rebuilding of the temple explains many of the provisions, the favors that he gave to the Jewish people, which was beneficial for the Jews. Again, firstly, again, when he wanted to rebuild the temple, this is in line again with the prophecy of Isaiah. Isaiah 44 says that who says of Cyrus, and Cyrus is saying no, that Jerusalem, she shall be built, and of the temple, your foundation shall be laid. Part of God's prophecy through Isaiah that he was going to use Cyrus, yes, to rescue his people, bring them back, but also to rebuild his temple. And I can detail to God. And so Cyrus doing this is in line with that. And Cyrus, basically, because he wanted to rebuild the temple, he gave certain provisions or favors to the, to the Jewish people. Namely, in verse 4 and 5, he says, And let each survivor in whatever place he sojourns be assisted by the men of his place with silver and gold, with goods and with beasts, besides free will offerings of the house of God that is in Jerusalem. In other words, put in naman ta mo lakaura ang people, ang exile. They could just leave right away. Cyrus could just simply said, all right, go na, hawa na mo sa place na mo dere. But here, 
Cyrus says no nga, basically, no, I'm paraphrasing na, if night Jew, sa inyo ha, near ninyo, and mulakaw siya, assist him with gold, with silver, with goods, beasts. Meaning, give them something for their journey and for the rebuilding of the temple na provided for ang people nila. And again, remember, who is the one working behind the scenes of all of this? It is God. Yes, it is through Cyrus, but it is God. God was faithful for His promise nga, dalaw niya ang people. But it wasn't just like, alright guys, paulit na, figure out how you're gonna survive the journey. But through God's grace for His people, He also provided for them materially. He provided for their resources, for their journey. Kasi layo ang biyahe nila. And not just that, but in verse 5, it says here, that everyone then rose the heads of the fathers, houses of Judah, and Benjamin, and priests, and the Levites, and everyone, any, any people, whose spirit God had stirred to go up and to rebuild the house of the Lord. God didn't just stir the spirit of Cyrus, but also the people who would go back and rebuild the temple and the rest of the places of uh, Jerusalem. And this is important, or this was essential rather, that God move or stir the spirits of the people. Why? Because one, the journey itself was long, dangerous, and expensive. Remember, usatong Easter? It's like na deep emotion of wanting to accomplish something. Na parang ganado na ganado. It's like, come on, come on, let's, let's go, let's do this. Yan na ang attitude nila. They were stirred to do it. If you weren't like that, okay, if dili anang mode or mindset nimo, you wouldn't want to take on this travel and go back to Jerusalem. This isn't a simple trip, no? Parang dumagete to Sibulan, okay? Dali ra, oska pedika bride ra. No, this is several months long journey. In our time now, diba, not a piece of fare. Or for some of you, diba, if you want like a road trip, ganahan ninyo. You have cars, motors, or mga seres. Sa ila, wala na. What did they have? Camels, horses, whatever animal masakya nila, or sometimes on foot sila magbiyahe. In other words, this was a difficult, long, and dangerous journey. There would be extreme heat, cold, rain. They could be robbed or attacked along the way. This was a difficult journey. Not only that, but when they would return to their city, it wasn't like nag-vacation sila. It's not like when you go to Boracay, you know, after tasking a trip, kabot nimo, ay, salamat, white sand, tsada nga beach, makarelax sa hotel nimo. You're excited to be there. For them, after their long journey, when they would finally be in Jerusalem, what awaits them? Ruins. Ruined temple, ruined walls, ruined buildings, they had to, meaning kung kapoy ang journey, when they would get there, the hard work starts pa. They would have to rebuild things pa. They didn't have all the materials they needed, and they had many enemies. There were people who, would, you know, who didn't want them being there, who tried to stop the progress of the rebuilding. In other words, if God didn't provide for them, if God didn't stir up or encourage them to go, to travel, to go to Jerusalem, none of the rebuilding would be possible. In other words, still, the credit, the glory, all of that belongs to God. Again, that's why we see that God is a faithful promise keeper. We see also that God is a provider here. He provided not just materially speaking, but in terms of encouragement, in terms of moving in their spirit, He also did that for them. Because if He did not, again, they wouldn't be able to travel and let alone rebuild the temple and the rest of Jerusalem. Not just that, but in Ezra chapter 1, verse 7, Cyrus, the king, also, he didn't just say, okay, mga people, if Jews ay ha, provide for them, give them things you know, so they can travel. He went a step further pa. Cyrus, the king, also brought out the vessels of the house of the Lord that Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem. 
what happened here was that when the Babylonians came and attacked Judah and the city of Jerusalem, they took or stole the temple treasures. And Nebuchadnezzar says here that he brought them to the temple of his gods. And there it stayed for the rest of the exile. And Cyrus says here that, no, that he brought these vessels out and he gave them to the exiles. He returned it to them. These treasures, okay, they're not just a simple pieces of gold or silver na pang-add na lang sa kwarta nila or something. No. These things are significant or important. They belong to the temple. Their loss was tied to the destruction of the temple. And now their return points to the restoration that God was now doing to His house and His people. In other words, important ni agibuat ni Cyrus. That God is a restorer as well. It's not just restoring His people. He's restoring His house, the temple. The temple treasures that were taken are now being given back to them. And grabe ang number niya. It says in verse 11, the vessels of gold and silver were 5,400. All these did Shezbazar bring up when the exiles were brought up from Babylonia to Jerusalem. So when we zoom out of this story, you know, when you take a look at Ezra chapter 1, just like what I said earlier a while ago, you would see once again, you would marvel basically at the faithfulness and sovereignty of God. Again, just a quick recap of what happened. Israelites sinned. They received judgment. They were exiled. Okay, God promised that He would rescue them back. 70 years later, God is fulfilling His promise to the point that He would use the very person He promised that He would use, and that is Cyrus. And you know, God provided for them. They had the provision they needed to travel, rebuild their temple. The lost temple treasures were restored and given back. And now these people could travel and go back to their homeland and restore what was broken. God is faithful and God is sovereign. Now for us here today, you might think, okay, Tom, that's all well and good, but I'm not an exile, okay? I'm not living in a foreign nation held against my will. And what does this have to do with me as well? Again, going back to the story, my simple goal was for us to marvel and grow in our appreciation of God's faithfulness and sovereignty. But knowing this, knowing that God is indeed faithful, knowing that God is indeed sovereign, may this encourage us all the more to trust God and to move with confidence. If you look at the story, you know, these people, after Cyrus' proclamation, I didn't get to put there, but the next chapter talks about the people who went or who traveled to Jerusalem. And even though Grabic and provisions, even though Chadakayo ang favors that they did, guess what? Only 50,000 Jews chose to go back to Jerusalem and to Judah. Some of them had legit reasons, you know, like they were too old, too young, but some of them were comfortable na sa place. They could have, you know, stepped out in faith, moved, trusted that, no, muna ni ang promise ni God sa tua, that He would rescue us, but they stayed nonetheless. None of us here basically are, you know, in physical exile. But there are some of us here today, you feel like, you know, you're in a certain kind of exile or you're stuck somewhat. Perhaps you're waiting on a certain promise or you're waiting on a certain answer from God. Perhaps you've been praying to God for certain things. You've been crying out. You've been, you've been seeking God. Lord, help me in this area. Help me in this way. And perhaps you're, you feel like you're stuck and you're still waiting on the Lord. Well, guess what? As we look at this story, may this greatly encourage you to still put your trust in God. Another thing we can learn from this story is that we cannot box or limit God in how He's going to move and how He will answer our prayers, how He will move in our lives. None of those Jews could ever, in their wildest imaginations, foresee what God would do. That God would use this pagan king 
to help them, to let them go home to their homeland. But God did so nonetheless. That God would use this seemingly mighty empire. That sila gamera kay sila. And yet, that mighty empire was nothing before the Lord. God could move and do things beyond our comprehension, beyond our imagination. It says there in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 to 9, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's ways are higher, His thoughts are higher. We can never fully comprehend, understand the things of God. That's why we ought to put our trust and faith in God. Whatever you're going through church, know that God is faithful and sovereign. A few more things before we end. For the Jews, you know, they could thank God that they could go home because they had Cyrus. You know, Cyrus in Isaiah 44, verse 28, was called a shepherd. God says, he's my shepherd. And Cyrus was a shepherd in the sense that God used him to do something good or helpful for Israel. And you might think, oh, may pasila, nasay Cyrus, mutabang nila. May pasila no nga, nasay gina wait, and now nasay Cyrus, so that would help them, that enable them to go home. Well, guess what, church? As we end, the Jews may have had their shepherd, si Cyrus, but we have an even greater or better shepherd. And of course, I'm talking none other than Jesus. John chapter 10, verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You know, Cyrus, he helped people, the Jews, return from exile, physical exile. But our shepherd, the good shepherd, Jesus, for the laying down of his life for his sheep, which is us, come back or return from an even worse exile. That was when we were captives or under the power of sin and death. But through what Christ did for us on the cross, we were rescued. We, are now, we now get to enjoy this relationship with God, with Christ. It's all because of our greater, better shepherd, Jesus. In other words, if you're looking for a reason to trust God, to move in faith, know that you have an even better or greater shepherd. And that is Jesus. And may this greatly encourage us to, to trust God because He is faithful and He is sovereign. Let me pray for us as we end. Father, we thank you for your word today. Reminds us that you are faithful and sovereign. I may not know what each and every one of your people today are going through, their difficulties, their challenges. Some of them, Lord God, have cried out, wept in the night, Lord God. But Lord, you see those prayers. You see those moments in their lives. Lord God, I pray that they would be reminded that they have a Heavenly Father, that they have a God they can run to who is with them, that just like the Jews, Lord God, that you were faithful to your promises to them, that you didn't leave them nor forsake them. Same thing with us, Lord God. You did not leave us. You didn't forsake us. In fact, your word says that you are close to the brokenhearted whose spirits are crushed, Lord God. Lord God, we, we can have that comfort knowing that you hear our prayers. That our prayers are not in vain. That the times that we weep or we cry are not in vain. That Lord, nadunggan minimal, Lord God. And Lord God, we don't have to be anxious. We don't have to be worried. emotions. Lord, we can have peace. Even at the midst or the eye of the storms in our lives, even when the problem is right there, we can have peace in our hearts and minds, Lord, because you are with us. And Lord, I pray that for each and every one of us here today, Lord God, we will experience tangibly your grace, you moving in our lives, and we 
get to see your hand move, Lord God. And may we respond in awe, in worship, and in gratefulness and thankfulness for what you did in our lives, for God. Lord, thank you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You just heard a message from Victory Dumaguete. For more messages like these, or to access other resources, please visit victorytumaguete.org or like our page on Facebook.